Welcome to another Caring Support Podcast. Uh, you know, this one here I'm looking forward to because like we have a real superstar on this time and uh, she's amazing. You can see she's laughing, but you know what? She is. So I also want to indicate that my uh, lovely colleague Callie is here. She's going to be basically the moderator and asking all the questions. But Taylor, maybe just quickly, you know, um, introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Thank you for having me on the podcast and for that wonderful introduction. I appreciate, you know, being called a rock star and all that stuff. So that's wonderful. Um, my name's Taylor. I'm the spokesperson for the Ontario PSW Association, and I'm a PSW of almost seven years now. I started quite young um, when I was 19 and have worked in various avenues in my field, in the community, um, in long-term care and private care the hospital, the ICU, um, I, I've really gone around and I've gotten a good kind of look at everything and I really like my career, but I really want to be able to advocate for it now and and kind of look to other avenues beyond bedside. So it's been really cool having this opportunity with the PSW Association and with people like yourself to use my voice now instead of just being bedside totally. So I'm really thrilled to to be here and a lot of us have worked hard through COVID and a lot of experience for myself too has been generated. So I'm really excited to share all of that with all of you. So thank you again for having me. That's amazing. Yeah. So Kelly, if you wanna start with asking the questions, that'd be great. And Taylor, you know, the thing is, is you're, you really speak well, I love it. So uh, it's great, you're perfect for it. And uh, again, this is going to be amazing. We're looking forward to it. Kelly, it's all yours. Awesome. Well, Taylor, it sounds like you've had quite the career. Um, so our first question for you today is what made you want to become a PSW to begin with? You said you started early on. So what made you want to get into PSW? I feel like it's sometimes really rare in our field to start when you're a teenager. A lot of people come back, you know, as a second career or, you know, just later on in their lives, they decide, you know, they want to change it up. So they they come to be a PSW. But what I really wanted to do at the time, and it sounds cliched, and I think a lot of PSWs can relate to this, is they wanted to help people. And I was, I don't think I really fully understood what that encompassed in the PSW field. And then once I started into, you know, my clinical placements and all of this other stuff, I just realized how important the job actually is, how meaningful it is, how it is so integral to our system. And I feel like it is often overlooked. And it's a lot of hard work, physical work, um, sad work, emotional, but it is the most fulfilling thing. So I think for me to get into this field, what has kept me here and what drives me here is helping people but also seeing the impact that it makes on people long term and it's just so rewarding i love it so much and you can tell my neck's getting all flushed i'm like so excited about it i love it so yeah that that's why i started that's amazing absolutely and beautifully stated by the way you know what's what's kind of sad is when it people say oh it's cliche that i love to help people that's the greatest thing we can ever do to just help people Right. You know, I've just had so many of those moments, too. And I've talked about this on on the Ontario PSW Association, you know, those clicking moments that you have with people, whereas like, you know, the job gets really rough sometimes and a lot of people leave. And I understand why. But 
you have these reinforcing moments with a patient or a client where you're like, oh my goodness, this is why I'm here in the first place. You know, like you're you're holding people's hands while they pass away. You're you're giving them care while they're on ventilators, you know, while they're going through the worst times of their lives and they're so vulnerable, you get to be the person to sit by their bedside and help them through some of the worst moments of their life. And just watching that go through has been such a, an amazing experience. And again, very emotional because people don't always make it. They don't always live. And that's just a part of the job as well. But to help someone and to know you're just there at the most vulnerable vulnerable point of their life. And it's just, it's mind blowing. So yeah, like it just, I feel like everybody says, oh, I like helping people, but you know, to dive right into it, you're you're filling in the cracks of the system sometimes where, like I said beforehand, you know, the transactional experience of healthcare, really the PSW can really eliminate that whole sort of dynamic out of out of patient care. So it's it's a really powerful role too, on top of it all. That's awesome. Good for you. So that said, if you could give us like a bird's eye view of like a day in the life of a PSW, what what are you doing as a PSW for your work? We often say we want to follow James around with like a GoPro all day because he just he does so much. He talks to so many different people and he's just so into like networking and making these connections and stuff. So if someone were to follow you around for a day and got to see like what it is that you do, what would they be seeing? I think that varies in, in different um, sections of our field like but I think the commonality in all of it is if you were to follow me around you would see a lot of bed baths you would see a lot of showers you would see a lot of um, you know changing incontinence products feeding people you would see us helping them with their activities of daily living and it just like it varies from from field to field but that's the general idea of it but really in some of our settings, as we all know, we have a lot of flaws in our system right now. So if you're working in, you know, long-term care or even home care anywhere, really, you could have really high patient ratios. So if you were to slap a GoPro on me right now, you would see me, you know, running like crazy in long-term care, washing people and, and doing their care in really like crazy amounts of time that really isn't the best. And it isn't really conducive to great like a great work environment, you know what I mean? And that's not to, to slap the, every long-term care home or every, you know, home care company with the same brand, but that is a common problem in our field is that you're you're running from person to person. So you'd be running to feed someone, running to change someone. Now this person's going down for their nap. This person's getting up from their nap. So you're just running in some instances. Whereas if maybe you were in the hospital with me, you would see me um, going to do bed baths. And when I was in ICU, I'd be, you know, bed baths, changing people, feeding people, you know, when they do eat and helping a lot of our nursing staff as well, just with turns and, you know, repositioning people. And it was a whole other beast in and of itself, because when you're in ICU, you know, you have tubes everywhere, like you are connected to tubes everywhere. So the the sort of, again, the dynamic of caring for someone changes again, where if you had a GoPro on me, you would see me carefully holding wires, doing like a gentle bed bath, maybe holding someone while they got a wound dressing, helping reposition them. Even sometimes I provided respite for them because 
when you're in ICU, it's it's scary. And a lot of people leave with post-traumatic stress disorder. So to have someone sit there with you and maybe watch a bit of TV, you know, you could see that as well because it's just, it's another aspect of patient care. So the long-winded answer, those are the, the general things that happen, but um, yeah, it does really vary. Wow, amazing. Good for you, Taylor, that's, a, that's incredible. Um, and by the way, if, if GoPro was put on me, I'd be doing the running around at a networking event or hitting multiple events, no question. But, it, and it, it's funny because caring support um, is about connecting people. And, you know, so, Myself and Joseph, the CEO, and other people on the team, we love to do that anyway. Uh, it's kind of like our personality. But, you know, the thing with you uh, being a PSW, that's so beautiful. And it doesn't sound glamorous all the time. But I do know that any time that I'm really connected with people and really, you know, spending and helping them, you realize, oh, my God, I don't want to be doing anything else. You know, it just feels so incredible to build that bond with those with different people, right? Yes. Absolutely. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes the job really worthwhile, even though a lot of it is really heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So COVID really took like a big spotlight and like just absolutely beamed it at healthcare. And it just seems like all we hear about are, you know, the screaming for, you know, the help and the struggles and stuff that everyone is facing. So with that in mind, what are some of the struggles that maybe you're seeing on the front lines as a PSW right now? What is some what are some of the things that you're seeing that are the real struggles? So at the start of COVID, when we were first trying to get through it, like the first wave, I was helping, I worked with a hospital and we were helping out staffing in nursing homes that were hit really badly by COVID. And one of the homes I was in at the time actually had the military deployed as well. So I was kind of working a little bit with them, not so much, but you know, we're all in the same workspace. And I found that all of the problems and the issues and the things that I experienced there, I also saw in the second wave as well in another long-term care home that I was in that got hit horribly with COVID. And I think the main things really, and it's horrible, but a lack of PPE. Um, like actual proper protective equipment. And when I was in the first wave, I actually reached out to the public on my social media platforms and asked people if, you know, if you're making caps or masks or, you know, boot covers, like, please, if you can donate them, I'm in one of the worst hit homes right now in Ontario, I would really appreciate it. And people started flooding in PPE and I would be picking up PPE after work and <clears throat> distributing it throughout the whole facility and it was crazy because so many workers really wanted PPE and it's crazy that that was kind of almost like a special privilege for us and at the time they were talking about how N95s you know you don't need an N95 for this you don't need an N95 and I walked into my shift and a soldier would screen us and I walk into my shift and this soldier is standing there in a full-blown hazmat suit, disposable hazmat suit with an N95 on, screening me at the door. And then I had to go in and I wasn't allowed an N95 or, you know, you don't need an N95. So it was almost kind of that, like, wait a second, does my life matter less than the soldiers? Like, you know, it's almost like a disrespect thing as well, which I think is 
another huge problem and why a lot of people are leaving is you don't feel respected sometimes in your job and you kind of feel run down and you feel like the person who's the go-to for absolutely everything. You know, the PSW role was designed for bedside care, but you're not a go-to, you know, all around person for dietary to, you know, clean spaces. Like there are people who want to do that job and that's their job. And I feel like some some places treat the PSW as, you know, the one-stop shop for that. So again, like respect, proper PPE. In the second wave, I wasn't even handed the right PPE and I got COVID immediately from working there. It was just before vaccinations came out. So I was very disappointed. Um, it was not well-maintained in there. It was really unclean, like very unclean and Honestly, in both spaces I was in, it was almost like a free-for-all. It was like, where is management? Where is everybody? You had positive residents that had, you know, Alzheimer's dementia, wandering around, touching everything. So there were no real clean spaces. There's no proper place to eat your lunch. There was no, you know, people were changing in the parking lots out of their scrubs. And, you know, it's it was so wild to me that this was our system that we're promoting to people you know it's patient-centered care you know give us you know people pay thousands of dollars to live there and buy a bed there you expect that they're being taken care of when really you walk in the door it's a free-for-all nothing is clean ppe is being held on to like it's you know a precious resource and workers are being just run into the ground you can't give proper patient care when you have an entire unit to take care of yourself. You know, you're just running and you're just trying to get people changed and fed. And you know that you're not doing the best job, but you have to keep going and doing it because if you don't, the next person doesn't get changed and fed. So you also have, you know, like I said before, you had the fulfillment aspect and that's why you stayed, but you're not getting that anymore. You're walking away from your shift being like, I don't even know if I made a difference today. I feel like I just fed and changed people constantly. I don't even feel good about the work that I've done. You know, we don't have those sort of rules in place and the proper patient ratios in place. We also don't have autonomy, you know, regulation. And like I said, the whole respect aspect, it's huge. And people are walking away and we're seeing a shortage. And it's a massive problem because the the ratio of PSWs and LTC, we are LTC. We make up the entire, pretty much almost all of the, the staff there, you know, you have your dietary, you have your, your janitor staff, you have the nurses and things like that. But PSWs are basically taking care of all the units with bedside care. So again, like I'm doing a long-winded answer here, but there was so much to unpack from COVID and it was really sad and it was really disappointing. And even in the second wave too, to to try and find PPE at the second wave was really disheartening for me because it clicked for me that nothing has changed, you know, like right. we're in dire conditions. People are dying like crazy. You know, my colleagues are putting people in body bags like nobody's business. And yet I'm running around trying to find PPE here so that we can do our job safely. And it's just you're wondering who's here, who's running the show. You're on your own. And then you're being called, you know, the hero outside to the media. You're a hero. You're holding everything together. Good for you. But it's like, why did we have to, you know, who was in charge here? Why did this even 
why was this even allowed? And also, it's so sad to know that families think that everything's okay on the outside when through the walls, it's a jungle. And it was a jungle. People were breaking down left, right, and center. My colleagues were breaking down left, right, and center, which was really sad to watch. You know, people were giving their kids to family members to be able to come to work because they were too scared of infecting their family members. And then also the PSWs that were there and the workers that were there long term in some of these homes were watching their residents die as well. It was all of this stuff and, and they were breaking down. I watched people break down so badly that it even gave me post-traumatic stress disorder as well. Just being in these homes alone was so scarring for me because like I said, it was all allowed. And then all over the media, it's patient-centered care and you're a hero, but behind closed doors, we're left alone. We're thrown to the wind. It's it's just, there's so many issues that I could just keep going and going and going, but those are the main avenues and they were there before COVID. COVID just kind of put a spotlight on them big time. That's true across a lot of parts that I tell people what COVID did is it just really ripped the Band-Aid off and showed you what's really going on. And anything trying to hide it and dress it up and everything. What concerns me, a couple of couple of things. Um, I know many of us on the team, we've talked about this before, but like, I think, you know, if we had, we're not really even past this pandemic, but we had another one come around. Will we repeat this again? Because the the question I have is, did we learn anything from it? This is what concerns me, I, you know, because management, are they going to up and disappear again or whatever that that potentially happened there or whatever happened, uh, which is a shame. <laughs> are they planning for anything or do they do they have now lots of PPE? Do they have, you know, things on hand? You know, is this stuff being properly planned for? But really, at the end of the day, what I I have to say that I love what you said, Taylor, is the fact that you basically just really laid out. This is what really happened. Unfortunately, I think we see way too much virtual signaling going on. All these people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm wearing my ribbon. I'm a supporter of the healthcare workers and everything. And what, you know, and, and this is what's happening in healthcare. Healthcare has so many problems and so broken, but everybody's like, well, it's really someone else's problem to look after it. No, it's all of our problem. Even if you don't work in healthcare, after all, our tax dollars are paying for it. And we, right. We need to be engaged. It's a really scary thought. And I think yeah. you know, it doesn't have, I don't know what the right word to say is, but it's not grabbing attention like it should. You know, um, I think when people hear the word long-term care, they're like, oh yeah. And like you said, it's another person's problem until that person has to rely on it or have a family member to come in. And then you realize there aren't enough resources here and I am paying thousands of dollars for this bed and that's what just really got me to in one of these places it was the worst place I've ever been in the worst place got the wrong PPE got sick watched you know people break down it was horrible horrible place and I go in the elevator one day and I see a breakdown of the prices that people pay they had it just on a poster in the elevator and I was just like I ran around all day today trying to find, you know, trying to feed people as much as possible. I had to go to the basement to find clean gowns for people because laundry wasn't being done because there was no staff. Either they were sick or or gone. I don't know. 
you know, your your family member might have been sitting in the same top for the last couple of days, getting a meal that maybe they don't like so much, but that's all I have at this point, you know, and I'm changing them and I have to just keep going, you know, and it is a horrible, horrible feeling. I was changing this woman and she just wanted me to sit there and talk with her a little bit because she was isolated in a room by herself. And I had to say, I'm so sorry because it was only me and one other PSW for the entire unit. And I said, I have to go. And that felt horrible to me. And that's when I realized I'm not even doing my job anymore. I am just trying to survive at this point. And, you know, it's like, how did that get there? I had another woman who I gave her a meal and she was sitting up in her bed and I felt so bad for her and she was talking. I said, here's your breakfast, I'm really sorry. And she said, I don't want this. I said, this is all I have. And she started crying. She cried to me and she said, I hate it here. And I was just like, I hate it here too. Like I do, you know, like that sort of a thing people don't see in the media. People don't see how it is really impacting those that live in these spaces that pay thousands of dollars for patient centered care. Nobody is seeing that. And like you said, it's always someone else's problem. But who is going to take responsibility here? Who is actually just going to provide the proper protective equipment for their employees? Who's going to clean the space like they should have already cleaned already? You know, I'm grabbing PPE. And I literally had someone, she worked in an office, I don't know her job title. She said to me, we're not actually supposed to be out there right now. And handed me the box of gowns. I walked out the door. She locked the door behind me to all the offices. And I thought, wait a second, you're not allowed out here, but I can go out here. You know, like, again, is my life undervalued? (laughs) Like, I don't know at this point. And also, you're you are probably someone who is in a position of power here why are you locking the door you like it is a jungle out here and you're locking the door so that like no one can come in you can't leave like it's and then you go you go outside and it's the hero thing and it's you know put put up the good fight and you know all of that stuff and it's like it is so much more than just COVID at this point it's we are crumbling we are we are failing in so many different ways at this point and like you said, I don't even know if it's going to change, and I really hope it does. Yeah. But it's a 911 emergency situation. It's not a casual situation. Like people are breaking down. It is emotionally damaging. It is physically damaging. It's neglectful. It's horrible to be a part of as a worker. It's not why I got in the field. It's just an all-around mess, you know? Yeah. Wow. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Taylor. That was amazing. Good for you. Unbelievable. Uh, we have to try and keep back on our time frame, though. <laughs> Callie, you know, that's okay. No, that's, I think okay. I think this is very, very good. It's extremely impactful, and um, you know, I think our audience is going to just really think, "Wow, they they just love everything about you and how honest and open you are." You know. Thank you. I won't, I'll try to keep it a little bit shorter. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's okay. okay. So you had mentioned your struggles with like PTSD and stuff from working in long-term care as a PSW during COVID. And we know that there are a lot of different healthcare workers, PSWs, nurses, doctors, everyone, paramedics that are dealing with um, PTSD, burnout, depression, anxiety, um, complex PTSD. And, you know, the question becomes, 
and it's going to be a bit of a two-parter, but the question becomes, what is the, what is your why that keeps you going? What keeps you going back, even though you face all these struggles day in, day out? Um, it doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon in terms of the struggles. What keeps you going? And what kind of, um, what kind of practices do you have for yourself in terms of making sure that you stay off that burnout train? So self-care type things or any pieces of advice that you would have for people who are starting to feel that burnout, anxiety, depression coming on? That was a good question. Um, I missed the first part. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I heard it and I was like, yes, I'm going to answer that. And then you went with more and I was like, oh no, okay. I think, I I think she thinks like I do. <laughs> no, that's okay. So the first part was just what is your why? What keeps you coming back to do your job every day? Yeah. That was it. Okay. Um, the connecting moments the, and, and just knowing that I am doing a good job. You know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn and be like putting myself on a pedestal, but I know that I'm doing the best job that I can and that that's what these people deserve. And they deserve, you know, gentle care. They deserve to be cleaned properly. And, and that's the thing that's kind of, that kept me at least through that entire mess there was, okay, like I'm here. If no one's going to be here, at least I'm here. And I can give these people the best care that I can. And I had some clicking moments, you know, again, I had clicking moments in there among the mess. And I actually met a man there that had Alzheimer's. And unfortunately, we weren't able to sit there and, you know, give him engagement and things like that. And I met with him in the hospital later on when I went back to the hospital and he was so much better. And I got to chat with him and take care of him in the hospital as well. And that was like a very cool clicking moment for me. And then, you know, also when I'm in the hospital, I had really great clicking moments with patients. You know, um, I had one man I built a really great relationship with and he was, a, he was, you know, alive and well. And then at one point he was going to pass and he asked me to, you know, give him one last, you know, sh shave and, and clean up and all of that stuff before he passed away. And that was something that I did and we had a great moment together and, you know, he know, he knew I liked Dolly Parton. So we played Dolly Parton all the time and I got to shave him and, you know, he passed away peacefully that night and he told me the day that he loved me. And that was really special for me to have someone there. And we, you know, it was emotional and lovely, but it's like, that's why I'm here. That's why I need to keep kind of not pushing. Cause I think that's also glorified as well, which, you know, I'll touch in your second part of the question, but, um, that just keeps me going and it keeps my morale a little bit higher um, to kind of turn it off and to kind of prevent myself from burnout. I think I struggled a bit with that, but I also think it was because I didn't fully understand that I had PTSD. I had my doctor tell me that this was textbook PTSD. And I was like, Oh, I thought it was a hormone thing. I was like, I think I'm just hormonal and I'm really emotional lately. And my doctor was like, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so to kind of, I say sometimes you don't have to, I read a good quote and it was, you know, even though you feel it, it's not yours to carry. And I think that that's very important for us because it's kind of made to feel like it's ours to carry. 
So, you know, you go to your job, you do the best that you can and you 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 live with that and you know that you've done the best that you can. And then you go home and, you know, you don't have to be a part of every Facebook post that's got to talk about healthcare. You don't have to fill your timeline with things. You know, you can make your social media a safe space for yourself, which I think is really important, but was really hard back in the day because that's all we talked about on social media. So you come home from a hard day at work, you'd go onto your social media, you'd see it plastered there. So I think creating little spots of peace and quiet for yourself where, you know, maybe you like to go for walks. You go do walks, you put the phone down, you do your walk, you know, you know that you're doing the best job that you can and you really try to sit with that as best as you can. And you don't try to take the weight of everything else on, even though it is super, super hard not to. Wow, that was awesome. I'm just going to add something to that, Taylor, if I could. Uh, I learned this the hard way many years ago when I um, fell in love with like, you know, I was always a kind person. I was always really caring and everything. But when I really understood what most intelligent was and I was learning it and 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 I really embraced it, one of the greatest lessons I learned, like, like I said, the hard way was safe boundaries. And that was knowing that you could say no or that you had to turn it off or you had to de- disconnect, decompress, be away from it. And just, you know, uh, it's so important, right? It's just like I tell people that if you're ever caught in a cycle and it's it's not good, the first thing you should do is look at who's in your midst, like your friendships, your social circle, uh, because if they don't bring value, why are they there? And, uh, you know, I, because you, I can tell you that I'm going to bring value to them. So, um, you know what, I, I think this is what's great because we love doing this on Caring Support. We love to be able to create that community. We want to bring in people like you who are doing such incredibly beautiful things in the community with really the most authentic a meaningful way that's being done. So that's great. It, it's a recent life lesson that I'm learning currently because I found sometimes it was hard to to turn off and, you know, disconnect. Like, you know, you're in constant survival mode. And I think, again, there's that thing where you have to kind of forgive yourself for being in survival mode where now that things have calmed down a bit, I realized at one point that, you know, I wasn't doing all my same hobbies because, you know, at one point it was very dangerous to do that. And also, I had to be mindful that I'm a healthcare worker. I'm with vulnerable people. I can't go out and do some of these things that, you know, people might think are safe now. You know, I always had to kind of isolate myself. I always had to kind of shut it down. And then it became work and living. And that was it. And you lost your your hobbies and like a little bit of your sense of self. So I think that's also like a big key thing that I'm still in the process of learning, but is a great way to kind of take yourself away or try and, you know, kill the burnout is go back to the things you used to do, go back to your hobbies and just forgive yourself for maybe being, you know, black and white throughout COVID because you had to be just to get by. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about, I guess, like, you know, like the past, like COVID and kind of how things have got up to this point. So now we're going to jump ahead. We're going to talk a little bit about the future. So what are your hopes and dreams, goals, changes even that you would like to see when it comes to the PSW profession and maybe even like the healthcare system as a whole or anything else that you would just, you've just learned that, you know, there needs to be a change? That's a good one. Um, <laughs> to start off with that, I would say I would really love to see the PSW scope honored for all that it can be. Um, the PSW 
can be utilized so well. And sometimes I feel like we're underutilized. We do have a lot of skills. We have a lot of specializations that we could be doing, but it's just not being tapped into right now for whatever reason. And I think we would be an incredible resource to help fill some of the gaps, even, you know, before COVID, our, our gaps that have been here for ages, you know, like we could be doing so much more in our roles, but we're not. I think I really hope regulation comes soon. I mean, we know that it's coming, but it's like, when, <laughs> when is it coming? We need that. We need that element. You know, it's great for the public too. You know, you're being held accountable to the public as well, which again is going to generate that whole respect aspect that we need and what keeps us going. We need our job to be respected more. We need, you know, standardizing the wage would be incredible as well. I know a lot of people, a lot of PSWs, get two jobs to get by, which I know a lot of people do now, just given inflation. But I mean, it would be nice to have one job and to be able to live off of that job. It would be nice to not have your protective equipment held in front of your face like it's a treat. Um, I don't know why that even happened. And again, it was super disrespectful. And I don't know, we're like, it just felt really horrible, like we were being kind of exploited in a way. But I think for the future, I hope that we really start to actually make changes. I've found a lot of the time it's like a media thing where we're just kind of painting the perfect picture. Oh, yeah, we're going to work on that. We're going to work on that. And then, you know, you book meetings to work on the next meeting. And then what are we doing? Like, nothing is actually happening. It just looks like it is on the outside. We need to create safe patient ratios. We need to... <laughs> If you're going to advertise that it's patient-centered care, it should be patient-centered care then. You should have the staffing ratio to fulfill that. If that's what you're advertising to the public, you should be backing that up. And you shouldn't be putting all of the work on one worker. Because again, people will work themselves into the ground. And what if something unsafe happens? You know, what, who gets blamed? at the same time. A lot of the time it's the PSW, it's the worker. It's a worker that's been bound by an NDA that can't say anything, can't speak up for themselves. So again, creating that respect, wage standardization, um, creating autonomy for the profession, creating proper staffing ratios and patient ratios. And I think for healthcare in general, sounds kind of spicy, but honestly, like egos need to leave the table. I find a lot of the time when suggestions come up, People can take it really personally. And then it becomes almost like a power play game. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're actually just in it for genuine reasons and to create better health care. This has nothing to do with, with you personally. I think that needs to really be left at the doorstep here. And I've preached this multiple times as well, but just to kind of leave it off, we've really prioritized profit over actual health care. Um, and if we can cut corners to make an extra buck or two, we're doing that, which right. it's costing people big time, big time. So with all of those in mind, I think we could really move forward if we actually just looked at the system again and just made adjustments and really actually rooted for the worker on so many more levels than just a you know performance for the media and performance activism for the media. I think, yeah, we could generate a lot better than what we're doing right now if we actually just cared. <laughs> You know, what's an interesting thing that you said, Taylor, is and, and this has been a lot of this has been the common denominator through a lot of things. This is a major leadership problem. And, you know, leading by example, number one, 
So it, it's, isn't it amazing that the industry, if I can use that term, of healthcare can often be the most guilty of this, of, of a lack of leadership and treating people disrespectfully and everything, and yet it's supposed to be all about care. It's and yet that's so bizarre. You know what I mean? So think about it. You you hear about places like Google and Apple and you say, oh my God, look at the cool culture that's there and the way people are treated when they get into new. And I'm going like healthcare. Yeah, we're not going to put in like tennis courts and everything for you. Sure. But understand it. And then, you know, like have a, you know, like whatever those, the, the different rooms they would create. That's all about taking that break and fun. But it's, you know, the time of COVID, wherever the leaders gone, they, they were gone. They didn't lead by example. Right. Then, you know, whatever. And then this is not about giving leaders a hard time. Let me tell you something. This is a common problem throughout healthcare. I know with our platform, when we show people, you get some people in fear. Oh, am I going to be out of a job? Is this going to happen? Like, no, this is going to help you. And, you know, but you see, I think so many processes, ideas, and leaders are all of yesterday. And yeah, and I hear stories about, you know, people that leave, they get on our platform and they're like, yeah, James, that place thinks it's okay to yell at people and I'm just not done with that. And I'm going, what year is it? You know what I mean? Like, this is still acceptable practice. So it's really a shame. It really is. It is. Yeah. And to kind of go off what you said, it's not every single leader. And even I've no. had, you know, DOCs and, and really like big bosses of of LTC and things like that be like, thank you for advocating, you know, and sometimes they want to make the change, but they can't either. And, and sometimes in their position. So I'm not trying to, you know, take punches at everybody, but no, it's a massive leadership problem for sure. And you're hearing about some of the stuff that I'm telling you from my own eyes that I've seen and heard. And it's like, how did that, how's that allowed? How did we let that happen? And then also looking forward, it's like, how did we not learn the lessons that were happening in the first wave and fix them for the second wave instead of just crying out for help to the public, you know, getting the NDAs, whatever, and then yeah. putting the workers in and go, okay, fix it, fix it. You know, like it's it's a not even a band-aid for a bullet hole. It's not even a wound dressing at all. It's just trying to scrape by. And again, I think it's all because of profit and we can make money off of it. And you know, if we cut out using I've heard of people rationing briefs and incontinence briefs and I'm like what you know because you know people are generating a huge profit from this and you know that the money is there and we know that it can be used for patient care and it just isn't and it's it's a big ego battle as well and I just wish it would stop because yeah. people are crying out for the changes that need to be made all we have to do is listen and implement them that's all we yeah. have to do yeah and and it's amazing is how people uh, in healthcare leadership, whatever, like, why are people leaving? And you're like, like, you know what I mean? Like, dude, did you not pay attention? So no, it's not every leader. I've met some amazing leaders. I've met people that are are very impactful. They totally get it. And I've said long time ago to the one fellow, this friend, who said, you know, I think every single healthcare leader should absolutely mandatory emotional uh, intelligence training, absolutely mandatory. That they really understand empathy. Here's a novel idea. When was the last time you walked the floor? And we were like, uh, you know, sorry, but that's part of it, you know. So, Taylor, I'm not going to forever. I can tell you that we're a real team. We treat everybody amazingly well. The ego does not fit in the crap. 
it's like tell us how you really feel let's let's just really work together um and then it creates a beautiful thing as you said before we started the call that i love you guys you get all this energy you're so well you don't get ice yeah we're having a great time the caring support is a tremendous project where we are actually really trying to make a difference that's it trying to a purpose-driven organization and you get that anyway. by working together you know yeah it's unity yeah. and yeah it's just yeah and where the leaders lead by example not say you do this, you do. Now we're nowhere near the size of a, a lot of healthcare facilities, sure. But I can tell you, this mentality will always be here, always, right? We think about the like the leaders of tomorrow. I know just this last year, uh, the Ontario government paid for a lot of people to, or they were enticing people to go to school and become PSWs. So they paid for tuition, and these people have, you know, they. They have this huge opportunity at their feet to have a career that can be fulfilling and they can be these leaders of tomorrow. So when you think about that, do you have any advice for current PSWs that maybe want to be a part of that change or for people that are thinking about becoming PSWs to kind of bring them into that family to make them those future leaders? I think the big thing is if you're coming in to, you know, make a little bit more than minimum wage and you know it's the money that's driving you in don't come because it's not you know it's not a financially you know we're not making tons of money i think if you genuinely want to help people you and you actually can stomach some of the things that you will see i think that's a big problem that i've seen especially with you know we're, we're creating this new breed of psw that learns online so the pandemic psw really is not getting some of the experiences that they need and realize after that they've graduated i actually can't even stomach some of this job so you really need to be aware of yourself because you're, you're gonna see a lot you're gonna see a lot of you know body fluids but also you're gonna see death as well but with all of that like i said before you're with people in the most vulnerable time of their lives and they are really counting on you to show up for your job and when you do and it clicks with them and, you know, you have someone that's crying on their deathbed telling you, I love you. Thank you for everything. You know, that's when it hits home or you have someone on a ventilator who's writing, I, I'll miss you, you know, when they because they were going to another floor. So they were doing good. But, you know, like those moments are just so incredible and you cannot just manufacture them. You get those by being a PSW, being in the healthcare field and you just it's an incredible, incredible feeling. And really, too, I have this feeling that, you know, if you just, if we all leave, they're just going to create another position that's, you know, going to pay less and essentially replace the PSW. And we are so, so, so important that we need the staff. We need people to come in. We need people that want to make a change because you really can make a change. Even if your leadership isn't listening, everybody you work with bedside feels the impact of your care and that is so powerful and you really can't get that from a lot of other positions so that would be the big one for me because that's what's kept me here through all of this stuff so yeah if you're coming to the psw family i'm thrilled because it's been one of the most rewarding well it's my only career but you know it's the most rewarding <laughs> career <laughs> in that sense but you know it's 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 wonderful it's wonderful and you just can't get that everywhere
we're going to switch gears again here. We're going to go into a little bit more about how did you get involved with the Ontario PSW Association or OPSWA as uh, we refer to it as? It was funny because I was actually just really down in the dumps about the long-term care homes that I was in. Um, and I felt really angry and really sad because I was seeing all of this stuff and I felt like I couldn't do anything more, you know, outside of my bedside position and role. So I wanted to be a part of a team and a group of people that maybe were starting to push for the change on a platform where a lot of people can see and hear it and actually be involved, you know, in your field and in your career. Because sometimes it's a very lonely field when you're no, if you're in home care, you're working by yourself. You don't really know that you have a community. And the the and also as a community for people to belong to and to discuss everything PSW, which honestly is very therapeutic. Um, as we all know, there's not a lot of resources for mental health supports for healthcare workers right now in general. Um, so it's really nice to have OBSWA there. You know, we have the mental health supports going out. We have Angelique who performs wellness se seminars or did in the past, and. You really know that if you join, you know, the advisory committee, that's what really drew me in. The advisory committee, which is this committee where you can voice your opinions on things. And, you know, the leadership is actually going to take that and listen and advocate for you, and you know, on a government level when they can. So that really drew me in because I had all these thoughts and I was like, yeah, I want to come in and I want to just ramble on like what I'm doing right now. And I did. And they really they liked what I had to hear. I felt so welcome in there. Um my initial meeting, whatever, I Googled something about the Ontario PSW Association, found them, found a number, called one of my now colleagues and just sent my sob story over the phone to her being like, this is what I want to do. And this is what, how I want to help. She hooked me up. And then I got to meet, you know, Miranda and Ian and Debbie, who now is my colleague and not just the woman on the phone. Um, and it was really cool because they all listened to me. And they made me realize that, you know, I do have a voice. It's it's something I can use, even if it shakes sometimes. And that was really special for me because then it it made me realize that, you know, you went through all this stuff and yeah, like it's been stressful and it's been horrible, but you can take that and you can actually make some change from it and use it as fuel to a fire essentially, but in a productive way. So that's why I joined OBSWA. I think it's really important for people to kind of stay involved and, and you know, learn more about your profession. And it's it's been wonderful. Did I answer the full question or did I just answer part one again? Did I just do that? <laughs> no, no, you got you got the whole thing. I guess I can give you the part two and then we can kind of like uh, wrap up this portion of it. But you are the host of the PSW podcast. So it, you kind of do what we do, but you talk about like PSW related uh, related things. So what's it like being the host of that podcast? And do you have anything coming up that we should watch for? It's been very cool. Um, I'm I'm learning a lot about the techie side of it. Um, I'm not very good at that yet. So I mean, stay tuned for, for that transformation. But um, I'm doing the PSW podcast. It is about the PSW but like I said, Miranda, Ian, Debbie, they just want me to go and run with my thoughts and ideas. And they're very open and very just wonderful, wonderful leadership. Um, so I can go in and I can do different things. I can talk about different, you know, cracks in our healthcare system. I could hold the microphone up to different professions and 
I'm really working on that right now, actually, is I have shows lined up with PSWs who want to tell their story. They want to tell why they became a PSW and, and all of that sort of a thing. But then I'm also looking into different aspects. Like we actually have this prominent problem in healthcare right now. And I know this person's affected by it. So I really want to bring them on the show, hand them the mic and say, hey, can you speak to this a little bit more? Because I think this deserves a lot more recognition than it's getting. Or, you know, just going into different avenues. But again, I know what it's such a privilege to have the, the platform. So I want to give it away as well and be like, here, please speak because people hear it. It's it's on a whole new platform. And I created two new forms of social media. Um, maybe I'll just plug those in right now. But it's the PSW podcast and it's on Facebook and I'm on Instagram as well. So I'm really excited to get those going and to just kind of start having meaning, meaningful conversations where, you know, you're not silenced, you're not slapped with an NDA and told to shush. And, you know, we can really start airing some of this stuff out because like we said a little bit while in the show, a while back in the show, people aren't listening or, or they just don't feel like they can be engaged enough. And still until they start hearing some of the gritty details and then they're like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're all screaming for help here. So I'm really hoping the show can be really creating some change and, and having a lot of different contrast in my shows. Uh, you know, okay, I'm just going to tell you, Taylor, you're awesome. Uh, the, I love your personality. So and we we actually would love to hang out with you because I think we're a lot alike. But here's the thing. Uh, what I love about everything you said was, you know, not just the leadership. We've gotten to know Miranda and Ian and love what they're doing and, and uh, you know, fully back it. And we are partnering all the time with them with caring support, uh, you know, but what's interesting, Taylor, when you're talking about, you know, you want to bring those people right. Cause I tell people all the time, like we've been doing lunch and learns with schools. Okay. And we did one today. Uh, and I was doing a presentation. I tell people just remember when we were talking about networking skills and interview skills before we showed the platform, said to people, just remember the greatest asset you've ever had since you've been on this planet. Every single person is your ability to share a story. And I said, so just remember, like, so I tell people, what's your story? And they're like, they have no problem sharing stories about things they've done. But I said, can you tell people who you are in such a way that when they're listening, they do this? Right? I said, do that and you will be remembered, right? So, but the thing is, on our podcast, we're trying to do a very similar thing. That's why I have a bit of fun to it. With it, we don't concentrate. We hit some questions. We give them ahead of time so they feel great. You know the story on that. But I think what's really important is letting that person shine and letting them know what it is they're great at. That's why they're there in the first place, not us telling them what they, you know what I mean? So I, I applaud what you're doing. And I'm really glad that you're happy where you are, that you have the ability to just really uh, be creative. Good for you. That's beautiful. Thank you. It feels wonderful. It's, yeah. it's wonderful to have leadership be like, yeah, please go. Like, here's your idea. Okay, great. Yeah, take it away. And I'm like, okay, thank you so much. It just, it's wonderful to be seen and heard by your leadership. And you really do set by example with that for yeah. sure. Yeah. So before we wrap things up for this episode, is there anything else that you would like to add or tell us about today or um, any parting words of wisdom? I'll keep it short. I just keep rambling because I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, let me talk. And then I'm like red. Um, 
I would say to keep going, but don't push yourself to the brink of, you know, a breakdown or to burnout. And and just know that if you have a thought or an opinion or something to really start looking into your channels that you can use and and the people that you can contact and learning how to advocate for your profession in a constructive way um, can be one of the best things that you can do as well because there's smart ways of doing it and and there's ways where it can be very tricky and I find that so many people on the ground have so many good ideas they're so aware um but that's where it ends and and sometimes it's it's better to just you know seek out OBSWA or something like that and really have your voice be known and and be heard and like you said James with your presentation you know just telling people who you are it's a big deal and you really do matter even though it feels like you're kind of insignificant at times in our profession you know we are beaten down a lot so I would just say like what you do is really important your thoughts are very important and at the end of the day if you know you're giving the best care possible that you can with what you have right now just know you're doing your best and you really are making an impact on people even if you don't get the thank you that day or you know someone doesn't look in your eyes and hold your hand and and, you know say I love you you know you really are making an impact on people's lives and your job is so much more important than maybe even the public or leadership even realize. So please, please just know that and know your worth. And thank you both for just listening to me rant about (laughs) all of these things for this whole time. But it's been such a pleasure to be able to speak freely on your show. And, and I really, I do appreciate all of it. So, so thank you. Well, we can't, we can't hold your hand by any means and like, you know, look into your eyes and stuff, but we can sit here and we can say thank you because what you do matters and you do it very well. And we're so thankful for you and every other PSW and healthcare worker out there that does continue to push. And uh, you're amazing. Thank you so much. It has been amazing having you on today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Taylor. And, And thank you for being just so forthright authentic and real because i think what's really important and this again is a story is that other psws listen to this and they realize okay i can relate to this woman she understands where i'm coming from but she also realizes in all your messaging there that what you were saying was you know there is light at the end of the tunnel there is a feeling of of i can get past this and hopefully they stay in healthcare. but sometimes people need to to leave areas where they don't feel valued when they don't feel respected or hurt and you know because at the end of the day your mental health is so important because it's so hard to help anybody else if you don't if you're not okay yourself right absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. so what's it like being awesome <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna make me go all red again <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm kidding you like i love to say this to people because you know we have some incredible people and and you are amazing taylor amazing so, yeah. And thank you, Kelly, for all your excellent work. Those are great welcome. questions. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're very welcome. And uh, I am sure we're going to look forward to more collaborations in the future because this has been an absolutely amazing episode. So thank you guys again and have a great week. And I'm sure we will be in touch very, very soon. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you.